When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Erica Flaherty is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with uh, Erica Flaherty, former Braves reliever, and my co-host. What's up, Eric? How you doing, man? I'm just making sure my wife didn't get me decaf coffee. Oh, good Lord. That'd be grounds for divorce. <laughs> We've made it through a lot. We'll be, we'll be all right. You've made it through a lot, but not that. No, that's, that, that's, that's going to cost her. Probably explains why I'm not married though, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You got to work some stuff out. <laughs> well, I have not remarried and it's been a long time. <laughs> um, yeah, I wasn't very good at, at meeting halfway. I believe Hey you. man. Come on. Come on now. Um, Braves are 16-2 in June. How about that? Would you take that? Even if the two losses were to the Cubs? I think it's funny I think that, take that. You, you know, a couple of the losses to the Cubs could have been flipped. You know, that it just emphasizes how hard it is to go on a winning streak like they did that, you know, you could play a game and a factor as little as the wind can change a whole game. Oh, my God. It did. Because they're a team built on home runs. Yeah. And – they in the, in those particular games because they have won some games this year playing small ball, but they could not do it in those two games. Yep. And the Cubs were that one game when uh, when Kyle Wright gave up eleven hits, nine of them were singles, and one of the other was was Hayward's little double that was just a spinning little bloop that landed in front of Duvall and went straight to the side for a double. <laughs> yeah. Which Duvall should have played differently, even though it's not much you could have done about the spin. But he came in, charged in, and got too close to it. You know, if you're not going to catch it, then let it do what it's going to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, Wright didn't even pitch bad in that game, and he gave up 11 hits. But they come home. They end up. You know, that was a big win, getting that last win in Chicago yeah. to avoid the sweep and win at 6-0, win it convincing fashion again. Hit a couple of bombs in that game. Got a great pitched game. So you cut. So you end up. I mean, it just says what one one game can do on a road trip. I could completely change the tenor of the road trip. You win that game. You come home with a four and two trip instead of a split and getting swept. A split trip and getting swept by the Cubs. You come home with a four and two trip, and it's just like that was a good trip, you know? Yeah. I mean, you you're gonna lose a few series on the road. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you, they are, that's what everybody always says. You know, you want to play 500 on the road and, and win series at home. But you go four, on, four and two on any trip, you're super happy with it. But getting swept by a team that's, you know, struggling in their own right with the Cubs is that can kind of, you know, hit your momentum a little bit. But yeah, they yeah. came home and put it right behind them. Um, Last night's game was really – that was a hell of a game, man. It had a total playoff vibe to me, uh, the Giants-Braves last night. Braves went 2-1 on Orlando Arcia's walk-off in the ninth with two out, obviously the ninth, with two out. Um, 
it just, everything about it felt like a playoff. You had a Monday night game in Atlanta. Here's how far this franchise has come, man, since, since what you remember as far as attendance. Monday night game in Atlanta. And I know it's the Giants. They're an attractive team. But that game against the Giants a few years ago, or before they moved to Truist, Monday night, you'd have been lucky if you got 20,000 in there. Lucky. I don't remember. I don't ever remember a you know, a sellout on a Monday night and ever. in the middle of summer ever when I was playing for the Braves. Hot as hell yesterday, sellout crowd of over 40,000 against the Giants. Um, it, like I said, it had a playoff vibe to it because it was such a well-pitched game between Freed and Logan Webb, just not, not fucking around, throwing strikes, boom, boom, boom. You know, it was a pitcher's duel. Um, good, great defense. Duvall play had two hellacious catches last night. Um, the phenom Harris made a great throw that almost cut down Peterson it was a beautiful throw. Um, and then, and after those two turn it over to the bullpens, I thought, you know, cause they loaded the bases up in the eighth against Freed, And I really thought, uh, Will Smith did a hell of a job coming in, just <coughs> giving up one run on the single, the line drive to first. You thought, okay, this thing, they could blow this thing open right here. But he gives up that single to, uh, to, to center. They limit him to one on that. And then Harris gets out of that with that terrific play by yeah. Olsen at first base. He goes over, fields that ball in, the, in foul territory. He goes where he fielded it and slips. And somehow while he's in the air falling, he yeah. threw a perfect toss to, Her- to Will Smith who hustled like crazy to get over there, catches it in mid-stride, gets his foot down just in front of a fast runner. Huge out right there, man. That was big. Yeah, you know what's nice about that play is that Will happened to be running toward him, you know, so he was in line with him. Right. Because most of the time, and that play gets messed up all the time, especially if a guy slips or kind of fumbles the ball, but you don't practice a lot throwing to a moving target in baseball. Yeah. So it was at least nice that he was running to him and he could just throw it directly at him instead of having to try to time it slip and then but still just to keep your just to keep your focus and and be able to flip it to him like that and the pitcher's covering i mean how many times yeah (laughs) yeah i mean it has to be perfect it has to be perfect everything has to work and olsen was literally falling while he did it i mean he was slipping and threw it perfect toss that was a hell of a play man um Will Smith, that was really that was a that was an impressive performance there. And then Kenley Jansen, dude, did did the best Kimbrel Pete Kimbrel impersonation, not Kimbrel yeah, now, but uh, Jansen gets two on two in scoring position with one out and gets out of it with nothing, back to back strikeouts against two good hitters. I mean that was uh, that was some pitching right there. They've got that was a that that's going to end up. I think that that Alex move that we all kind of questioned at the time. Really, they signed a closer. You signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got McHugh earlier in the week. Your bullpen is the deepest in in the, in the major leagues already, and you go out and sign Kenley Jansen for sixteen million, and we're kind of we're scratching our heads. And now that looks brilliant. Now that move looks brilliant, especially who could you? You, you had to figure somebody's going to get hurt, but you couldn't have figured you're going to lose Luke Jackson before the season even starts. Matzik's going to struggle and then have an injury go down. Um, so that in the long run this year, that's going to be a huge move signing Kenley Jansen. I think. Oh, yeah. And, you know, you can never have too much bullpen depth. Yeah, we've seen um, it again and again. One thing that happens a lot in a pen that kind of gets overlooked because it winds up just being a zero on your stat line, you know, as a reliever, you could come in and struggle one day and say you leave the game second and third, two outs. 
well, there's a difference of who comes in for you. You know, when you, when you wind up having all that depth and you look down second and third, yeah. two outs and AJ Minner's jogging out of the bullpen instead of some guy that just got called up from AAA because you're, you're yeah. down a guy and you get put in the spot and then he gives up that hit. How that outing feels to you the next day, giving up two runs, maybe, maybe losing the game versus yeah. I had this outing. I bet Corey won't mind me telling this story, but I had this outing in 2012 against the the Rockies and I had first and third, two outs. And I'd looked down in the pen earlier in the inning and I saw Corey Gearn warming up and I'm rolling too. I mean, I'm having the one of the best seasons of my career and I look down in the pen and I see Corey Gearn warming up and I'm like, no way they're taking me out until I blow this. You know, like I got this game until it's at least tied. We're up by one. Freddie starts walking out of the dugout. I just give Freddie like the meanest death stare of my life, trying to just be like, don't you come out here, you know? And he starts yeah. walking. And right before Freddie Freddy gets, Gonzalez, not Freddie Freddy Gonzalez. Yeah, Freddie Gonzalez walks out of the dugout. He's taking, and I see him point to the pen, and I'm just like, oh, you mother. Like, I'm, I, yeah. I, I never said anything to a manager, but at this point, I was ready to be like, hey, I'm staying yeah. in this damn game. So I'm in this mode of ready to fight the manager, and the bullpen <laughs> gate opens, and Kimbrell comes running out. I couldn't see Craig warming up. I just flipped the ball to, to Freddie and just jogged off the field like I'm out of this because that was yeah. when when Kimbrel was at his peak. You know, he was. Yeah. I I knew when Kimbrel came into that game, I was like, oh, he's going to strike this guy out, and I'm out of it. But the difference between who comes in for you, right, right. I mean, if Corey Corey was Corey was establishing himself at that time, but he wasn't. Yeah. He wasn't what he turned into. You know, so it could have yeah. been. It, it was my either my inning or the closer should come in for me, and I was ready to right. fight Freddie over over Corey coming in, and then wound up being Craig, and I was just I couldn't get off the mound fast enough because I it was a get out of jail free card. I was out of the inning. There's only there's only at any given time there's only a, a handful of guys in the major leagues that you feel comfortable can come in can be in a situation like or get themselves in a situation like that and get out of it without giving up a run because all you can do is get a double play ball or strike out the guys. Yep. That, multiple strikeouts and there aren't many guys that you can count on doing that. Keep a guy from even putting the ball in play sack fly gives them the lead last night, you know? Yeah. And the ninth inning, that's why he's a closer. You know, the thing that, that, that Kenley's doing that's, that's really catching my eye is he throws that back door cutter that starts off the plate and comes back. Mm -hmm. Like if you saw the pitch Crawford struck out on, yeah, uh, he chased a, a sinker, right? That went, I mean, it was never a strike. But had it been a cutter, it would have come back for a strike. And he's trying to hunt that pitch because Kenley threw it to him earlier in that bat. Yeah. Kenley goes to that two-seamer, and he just mixes it in. And they're so locked in trying to pull their hands in front of that cutter that he throws a two-seamer that starts on the black. And Crawford has to swing in case it's a cutter, and it winds up nowhere close. So it's one of those yep. pitches that, you know, you see the overlays on of how they they split paths like halfway yeah. to the plate. And he had to commit to that pitch. I don't remember Kenley throwing – you know, that many sinkers in the past, but he's been mixing it in this year and getting some terrible swings. Speaking of man, pinch hitters, how about that? The, how deep the giants are, man. I mean, you can see why mm-hmm. they're such a good team yeah. because you don't see this much anymore with the DH. Um, I mean, they go to the, the Braves go to the bullpen and he's got these guys lined up to come in to pinch hit. I mean, they are tough. He brings in in the ninth inning, he brings in uh, uh, consecutive pinch hitters, Brandon Belt and Jock Peterson. Yep. You know? And then you got Brandon Crawford 
to finish that inning. And Jock Pitch almost inning. got Canley. <laughs> I mean, oh, my God. He hit that ball so far, dude. He turn, Jock can turn. On anything. Oh, my. I, I, you look at him and you're just like, where does so much power come from? He's got a big ass and legs, though, mm-hmm. and he just explodes. He's so athletic. People don't realize what a great athlete this guy was or is. Yeah. But we, I think we've talked about this before. He was a great wide receiver in high school. Like was he? Was recruited by. That. Who's the best wide receiver in the in the, in the uh, NFL? Green Bay Packers. Who is it? I don't know. I don't watch football. Look it up. He okay. played. He played with Jock in high school, and Jock was the starter his senior year ahead of him. Over him, Dante. That's crazy. I didn't know he was that. I mean, I I knew playing center field and watching him. You know, he's a great athlete, but he was a. Uh, yeah, he got recruited by, by some major colleges, and uh, he, uh, Devontae Adams, uh, what is with the Raiders now, right? What's with Asking the, the wrong guy. <laughs> help us out, Cam. Yeah, he was with the he was with the Packers, now with the Raiders. That's right. But yeah, he he was behind Jock Peterson in high school. You tell people that, and they're like, "What?" Yeah. That's why Jock did the one thing where he did a uh, he did like this one time, like made a thing. I think it was like this. Uh, like he was catching a ball. They said that was for him, for Devonta. But anyway, um, but yeah, he hit that ball, and I thought I thought it was staying foul for a second, and it just kept drifting. But it didn't go foul by far. But hit that had to have been four hundred and eighty feet, and it oh, was sky high it. too, sky high. It was he over the just, top of the foul pole. Yeah, he can just pull his hands in. I haven't seen too many guys that can pull his hands in and keep it fair like that. But when I watched that matchup, I was like. Man, Kenley's cutter coming into him. He's watched Kenley a lot. You know, they're former teammates. He knows the drill here. This could, yeah. you know, I thought that ball could happen. And luckily it was foul. But then he went, you know, he went through him a curveball and a two-seamer and kind of messed him up and, and chained things. But he wound up yeah. dinking a curveball through the shift. But To come off the bench and do that, man. Jesus. It, but uh, how, about so the re- how, about, how about the standard ovation he got? I thought that was so cool, man. Yeah. He gets a standard ovation when he comes in and does that. Um, and he got it. He got his ring. Yeah, yeah. He got a standing O when he got his ring before the game. The presentation was cool. Uh, he had uh, he had Luke and uh, Ian Anderson gave him the ring because those are the those two and a couple other guys are the ones he's talked to the most. Uh, he's kept in touch. He keeps in touch with all the time and text and everything. So Luke came back and went out there and gave it to him. Or came Luke's here. He just but uh, obviously he's hurt, but he's been around. He he's been hanging around a lot anyway. Um, so yeah, that was uh, it had a little bit of everything last night, but once again, you know, big hits from Darno, the first home run. I mean, Darno's got ten home runs now. He's quietly having a terrific God, season. He does again. it so quietly. Yeah, yeah, he really does. You know, so much attention on, uh, understandably so, focused on Contreras, who's got like nine homers in you know half as many at bats. But yeah. Darno is quietly having a terrific season. And I talked to some pitchers yesterday on the team. They said, like. Uh, I'll show you the. I'll, I'll give you the quote. But AJ Mentor said, "I wouldn't be having the season I'm having if it wasn't for 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 uh, Darno." Because he said in uh, in Mentor's uh, words, he said he makes me feel invincible out there. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, and that's what a, you want from your catcher, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's how I felt when I threw to B Mac and and Rossi. I mean, and the numbers numbers backed yeah. it up. It's like when I had to actually go to another organization and call my pitches. I had no clue what to do because I was just on autopilot for five years. 
you know, it's like a, they, they turn into your caddy. They, they tell you what club to hit and all you got to do is swing easy. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A couple of things. Last night, Orlando Arcia. Man, we said it at the time because Ozzy's not having a great year. Having a good year, not a great year for him by his standards. OPS and under 700. We didn't think Arcia, we didn't think the Braves would miss much at all with Arcia because this is a guy that played shortstop, was a was a starter from Milwaukee for a couple of years, has a better arm than Ozzy, and we've already seen that on a couple of double plays. And this is a guy known for getting big hits when he was with Milwaukee, including yep. a couple in the playoffs. Well, he gets his walk-off last night. This guy's had two walk-offs in his limited duties this year, and he's got five career walk-off RBI now. He has converted two of his three walk-off opportunities this year among big leaguers with at least three walk-off opportunities. He's two for three in those chances. Only four players have better batting average in those situations. Jose Trevino of the Yankees, Jake Berger of the White Sox. Jake Berger, you might remember that name because he's the only guy that's come back from twice torn Achilles, and he's raking. So Soroka's got to be feeling good about that. They had the same surge, and they talked a lot about the double Achilles tear. So Jake Berger's been raking for the White Sox. Steven Kwan and A.J. Pollock, uh, those are the only guys that have done more in, in, in that as many at-bats with uh, uh, game on the line or in uh, uh, walk-off opportunities. So anyway, R.C. really making the most of this chance that he's got this year. And, you know, the Braves signed him to a two-year deal, really low price deal last year, late in the season or after the season. And uh, that's going to be a big signing, too, because this kid, uh, he, this guy is showing – that he can play every day if you need him to. And if not, he is a great piece off the bench. I'm just the most impressed with I'm, – I'm always impressed with guys that can get playing time and have it taken away and not have it affect them. You know, just yeah. have that positive attitude and, and wait for their time again and be ready. Because, you know, he's been in the league long enough that he knows he's going to get a chance to, to get – there's going to be injuries, there's going to be something coming up, guys yeah. going to go in a slump. He's going to get a shot, but staying ready is is really hard because you're working every day. You do all your work. You feel great. And on the day you feel great, you don't get to pinch hit. And yeah. then three days later, you have your one day where you're feeling like ass. And guess what? Somebody's sick and you have to start. And there's there's just no consistency to it. You know, uh, he, for me, look at what it did to to like Camargo yeah. not playing every day. Yeah. You know, he was so great when he came yeah. up and then then they kind of threw him in that role and he's yeah. never been the same. Yeah. He, and Arcia has found a way to to just stay ready and get big knocks every time they call on him. It's it's something I really respect about players that can that can do that cuz it's it's hard on the ego and it's just hard in general to do. You know, he's helped spending time for sure. It's helped around Pablo Sandoval early last year who was the ultimate bench guy, you know, when he was on before he just showed his age. But I mean, um, as far as learning how to stay hot, get hot, yeah. know when, you, when, and pay attention to the game and know when you're, when your chance to pinch hit might come up or whatever, not relevant now with the DH, but, 
Um, and then the other guy is the guy who's been around the last two years, Guillermo Heredia, who yeah. has the ultimate positive attitude, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you can't help when you're around that guy and he's always upbeat and positive. You can't help but be the same way. I mean, Guillermo reminds these guys every day, you know, just by the way he is, and the way he acts, that, man, it's great being here. This is awesome. We got a chance to win and we're a big part of this thing. We're going to get a chance to hit at some point and play at some point. We got to be ready. I mean, he's just, uh, I think it's, it's invaluable. We've talked about Heredia and what he's meant to this team the last two years, but People that think that they can just, when they need to make a roster move and they keep pointing to Heredia and go, ah, Heredia, unfortunately, might be the guy to go. No, because the Braves officials see how important he is to his team, regardless of what the stats are. Yep. He's huge. He's important. Eric was that guy for, for the Braves his entire time there. I mean, he was he was the heart and soul of the team. Yeah. You know, and I don't, I don't know how much credit he got for it at the time, but he was always making sure everybody went and ate together. He was on the mic on the bus ride. And what was cool about him was he remembered every little thing that happened in the game. Because you, you yeah. win a game and you get a walk-off and everything, and everybody's celebrating the guy that got the hit, but he's remembering some big play that somebody made in the third inning, right? And he's calling it out on the bus, and everybody's cheering for that dude. And he's ripping on the guy that got the walk-off because they booted a ball in the fourth. Yeah, you know, So it's like you, you have these certain guys that the, – the cool thing about Hinsky was he would walk up to even Chipper and tell him something, just look him dead in the eye and tell him yeah. something he did wrong yeah. or something that pissed him off. Yeah. And I think Chipper liked that. You know, Chipper would go back and forth with him, but Ski wasn't afraid to tell anybody and speak his mind to anybody. And I think, you know, if, if there's a guy, say, on your team that's kind of doing some stuff that's that's pissing dudes off, you have to have somebody that's that's going to say it. And I'm not saying Chipper was doing that all the time. He would right. more just make fun of something about, you know, he called Chipper old or something. Right, right. But I'm not going to say that to him. No, no, but I don't think anybody else could have gotten away with or nope. would have tried <laughs> saying that to Chipper late in his career, <laughs> no. second half of his career. But I, th I think Chipper likes that because it makes yeah. him feel like you know, Chipper never liked. Yeah, one liked, of the guys or whatever. Yeah, Chipper never liked. Like if you went up to Chipper and were like, Ugh, you know, you don't want to talk to him, he'd just be right. annoyed. But if you treated him like a peer, he, he always seemed to like it. it you yeah. know, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. You're not you're not taking that away, but Hinsky would say something to him, and he just he'd say anything he wanted straight to your face, look you dead in the eye, and yeah. not even flinch, and you just like God dang. But most of the time, he was right on all of it, and so you yeah. have to have guys like that, and you have to have a guy like Heredia bringing energy every day. You know, you come you come in and you're in Boston, and you've been on the East Coast and West Coast, and you're yeah. worn out from a trip, and some guy walks in just loud, making jokes, getting everybody right. laugh. It, it just, you just put everything behind you real quick. You have a good time. You go out and have a good game. And, but that those guy's guys, not, and that guy's not even playing. That guy's not even getting a chance to play like you are. And it's hard to do that when you're not playing. But guys that can bring that energy and, you know, it's another ego thing. And it's another thing where they're not wrapped up in themselves. It makes everybody else not be, you know, into their own problems. But you yeah. can't replace that. You know, it's it's a really hard role to be in. And like Heredia's energy, I can't go fake that every day. That's just yeah. who he is. Yeah, he's hype man and Hensky rolled into one. But yeah, it's funny you said that about Chipper. You know, it made me think. I've thought about this before. I thought I think a guy like Hensky, Chipper, probably loved having around because I mean, Chipper for most of his life, you know, his athletic life going back to high school has been this god that nobody's yeah. going to mess with. You know, and he probably got tired of being always being treated differently than just one of the guys. It probably yeah. felt good to be, you know, not always be the ringleader. At, you know, to have some guy that, that could felt like he could, you know, 
playfully insult you, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. If, you, if you're just up here and everybody else is down there, you don't yeah. get to be in on all the, you know, yeah. the, the jokes and the team stuff. But I mean, we all knew, we knew he was a baseball God, yeah. but as a, you know, my first two years, I was nervous to even say hi to him. And then once I've yeah. been around a little while and got to know him, I'm like, man, this dude's awesome. Yeah. But you have to, you kind of have to work your way past that barrier that yeah. you're, you're creating yourself. You know, I don't think he wants it there. Yeah. He's got that air about him. No doubt. Even though he's not like that. Once you talk to him, he's so approachable. Chipper will come out. Yeah. He's yeah. He's the greatest baseball mind I've ever been around. That, that seconded. Um, get back to the all-star voting real quick. Uh, let's go through these. It helps man to win a world series. It's amazing oh, yeah. how how your profile goes up when people are voting when you've won the World Series because the Braves are all over this thing. Catchers, Travis Darno is second among NL catchers behind only Wilson Contreras, who's having an incredible year. He's well behind him, but he is second. He's ahead of Yadier Molina, Yadier Molina and Tyler Stevenson uh, and Will Smith of the Dodgers. First baseman, uh, Freddie Freeman is third and Matt Olson is fourth, and they are like really close in their voting, but they are well behind – Pete Alonzo, who's second, and Paul Goldschmidt, who's first, uh, rightfully so. Right, Paul Goldschmidt is uh, what is he leading all vote voters for the? Uh, he's second to Manny Machado, and uh, no, Bryce Harper first, all votes uh, in the NL. Uh, Mookie Betts is first. Acuna is second in overall votes. So we'll get back to that. But uh, first baseman, you got Olson's fourth. Second baseman, you've got Ozzie Albies, who's injured, of course, and won't be playing. He is second in voting to Jazz Chisholm. I'm pleasantly surprised to see Jazz Chisholm is second, or our leading second baseman in voting, even though Matting is not playing him every single day, but he's having putting up great numbers. I love that kid. He's not playing every day? <laughs> he still doesn't play him against some, some matchups, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Jeff McNeil's third. So, yeah, it looks like Chisholm might, right now has got a pretty – not comfortably, but he's – with Ozzy out of the picture, McNeil is the only guy that can catch him because Gavin Lux is a distant fourth. Uh, third baseman, Manny Machado, uh, big lead over Nolan Arenado. Austin Riley is third. Pretty He's close to Matt, uh, Nolan Arenado on that list, real close. Shortstops, uh, Dansby Swanson is second. In shortstop voting behind only Trey Turner. Trey Turner's got a big lead. But Dansby second, ahead of Francisco Lindor. Lindor, uh, rightfully so. He's having, they're both having great years. Third is uh, – or fourth is, Dan, is Tommy Edmond, who's having a terrific year for the uh, Cardinals. Fernando Tatis, who's hurt, been out all year. He's somehow still fifth. Designated hitters, William <laughs> Contreras is second. A distant second, but he is second. That's impressive. Since he's only, you know, DH, he hadn't DH that much, but they had put him there instead of catching because uh, he's got a chance here at DH. Bryce Harper leading by a huge margin at DH. William Contreras is second, though. Pujols is uh, third. Outfielders, Mookie Betts, leading all votes at all positions among NL uh, players. He's got 1.446 million votes. And second is Ronald Acuna with second among all balloting period all votes in nl players period 1.398 million those two are way ahead of anybody else in the votes by the way uh, at all positions third is jock peterson and the braves have all th- they have three outfielders among the start the first eight again it pays to be the world champions adam duvall is sixth 
not having a, his, the kind of year he'd hoped to have, but he is sixth in the voting. Marcelo Zuna, who's having a bad year for the most part, is eighth. Yeah. He's got over 300,000 votes, man. He's ahead of Bellinger and, you know, Bader with Cardinals 10th and having a good year. Um, a guy that's not on there yet, but I would certainly hope to see in there in the next round is Michael Harris, the second, because he's only been up for just under, he's only been up for just over three and a half, three and a half weeks, just over three weeks. But he's just terrific. We'll talk a little bit he's about him. He's made an second. impact. He's had a huge impact. Huge. Um, yeah, going down the list, and he is not in there in the top 20 in outfielders yet. But, again, this is probably with the votes leading up to several days ago at least, and this voting, this voting started before Harris got up. So there you go. That's, that's the first round of uh, voting. Talking a little bit about Harris, man. I mean, we've talked a lot about him, but it warrants because this guy just keeps raking, dude. He is – Playing exceptional on all in all facets of the game. He went one for nine in his first three games up. Made an adjustment with Kevin Seitzer. Lowered his hands to where, like Kevin Seitzer, remembered Eric Davis had his hands down. But Seitzer didn't like when his hands were up, how he was wrapping the bat behind him and had trouble, would have trouble. He thought he would have trouble because he was really getting steep with it when he could bring him down. Thought he'd have trouble with fastballs, which he was. Lowered his hands. The guy in his 19 games, in his past 19 games, after that one for nine start, last 19 games, this kid is hitting 375 with 11 extra base hits, including two triples, three homers, all opposite field homers, 13 RBIs. From He's hitting ninth in the order. 639 slugging. He's got a 1,039 OPS in the last 19 games. He's only played in the major leagues 22 games, and he only played 43 games above A ball before they called him up from double A. I mean, and he's playing gold glove caliber defense. I mean, what a hard bandwagon not to jump on. (laughs) He's doing everything. He's doing everything. Been a huge, huge addition for the Braves and and just the boost they needed. And he's a great kid. Quiet, soft-spoken, confident, but but carries himself great in the clubhouse, listens, wants to learn everything. It's a dream, man, this guy is. Yeah, I tried so hard. You know, I mean, because you, you've been talking about him for a couple years, and you know, I'd see his highlights in the minors and stuff, and I tried so hard just to be level-headed about it and, and say, you know, I want to see what he does when he gets to the big leagues, and I saw those first, those first couple games, and I kind of noticed that same thing was – how steep, you know, his swing seemed uh-huh. that I thought he, I thought he'd have trouble getting to the high fastballs. And so I was just trying to be patient with it. And then whatever he did with his hands, dropping them and just started raking. I'm like, I'm sold on the guy, you know, even though I don't want to be just because I know how hard the big leagues is and everybody yeah. adjusts to you. I don't know what, what more he could do at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, this is what the, this is beyond anything the Braves could have reasonably hoped for, and yeah. uh, and you know also it comes at a great time because he's hitting ninth, which when Acuna's going well as he was, That's it gives the, it basically gives the Braves consecutive leadoff guys because this guy's a leadoff guy in every aspect as far as uh, yeah you'd want him to walk a little more I guess, but he's not chasing a lot of pitches, he's not striking out much, he's getting he's hitting for a high average obviously, got a lot of speed. Um, 
so Harris, I mean, eventually, if, if, if they ever want to move Acuna out of leadoff, I don't know why they would, but they might eventually want to um, and at, put him in the middle of the order somewhere. But uh, it's really helped because Acuna has been struggling lately and Harris has been raking lately. So yep. you really, once you get past the initial leadoff, when you come back around to it, you really got a guy letting lead off with those other guys coming up in those two, three, four sp- slots. He's getting on base so much and scoring. So it's been a great placement of having him there. Yeah, I just want you know. I mean, you're taking in a bat away every game, basically. Put him right. in a nine hole, right? And I he wonder only hit how three times again last night. Three yeah, for three. I, it's going to be a tough call for him because it's kind of like one of those "if it ain't broke, don't fix it" things. Right. But when he's hitting like that, it's you know, I I think it's only a matter of time before they have to change something and and move him up if he keeps doing this because. I mean, a guy hitting like this, you you want him getting as many at bats a game as possible, and I know it works putting him in front of Acuna. Um, it's and it's fastballs. That, that's a nightmare too as a pitcher when you, you know, you, you're supposed to get this break at the bottom of the order, and especially National League. Now the DH is gone. Yeah, and now you're basically at the top of the order after you get to the eight hole guy. Yeah, who's not, you know, I mean, there's when this lineup is is really going, there's just no breaks at all. And putting him in front of Acuna, you got speed, speed, back-to-back, and then you're going to mess with some power. It's a lot for a pitcher to take on. Yeah, you got Duvall hitting seventh. You make a mistake to him. I mean, I know he's not having a great year at all, but we've seen recently what he can do when he gets hot. I mean, he can hit it out of the park at any time, at any park. Yep. And you have Arcia hitting eighth. Yep. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. Uh, Acuna. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, we, we probably should take a step back and realize that he makes us forget because he is so extraordinary, but we should not, we did not expect. We said when he came back before he came back from the injury that he's not going to be a coon. It's going to take him a while to get back there, but he kind of shut us up because he kind of took off and he was running like a maniac, you know, on the basis, taking him we probably should have expected that there was going to be a blip, even though the first several weeks there was not. But once he started playing every day in the outfield, because initially they were playing him like two out of three games. Yeah. They weren't playing him day games after night games. They were DHing him, you know, like a whole series on turf. He didn't play in the outfield, DH. So once he's been playing every day in the outfield, that might have something to do with it. But we we, we should have known that wasn't going to just be such smooth sailing. He's not Superman. I know he looks like it at times, but he's not. <laughs> no, I mean, that, I kind of had that same mindset. And then when he started doing what he's doing and he's yeah. so special, it's kind of like, all right, this is just what he does. You know, he's just he's going to be this guy. And you're right, though. I mean, it's 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 easy to forget that he missed so much time. And, you know, right now he's basically at the end of a normal spring training. And you see a lot of guys yeah, yeah. do do really well in spring training and then have a little slump to start the season. But he's – um he's – he'll lock it in. You know, I mean, he hasn't you, – you lose practice of adjusting too. Yeah. You lose practice of, of shortening your slumps and making adjustments. And yeah. we've talked about so many times you can have one bad habit pop up. And I think that's the one thing that all that time off – um, kind of cost you is you lose a lot of your keys and you have to find new keys because his body's moving different. He's had, he's tweaked a few things in the outfield. You know, I think it was like a groin or something that kind of bothered yep. him or his hip. Yep. Um, and groin. he's running on a new knee. So his body's going to feel a little different, but he's going to have to kind of go through the process of, of learning his keys again and making adjustments. But, you know, as far as I don't think you could have asked for him to be moving better than he is. Oh yeah. That's the important thing. That's if the important he's not thing. causing problem. Then he's running like, 
crazy. Yeah. I mean, he's healthy. So he, yeah. there's no doubt in my mind, you know, he goes through a slump here and there, but he's going to be back and, and he's moving like you, like you want him to. And the thing is with Acuna, we know how fast it can change. I mean, nobody's yeah. going to be surprised if he goes out and goes three for four tonight with two home runs. That's how good he is. Nobody I mean, will be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if he hit eight homers in a week. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he can do anything. Yeah. So that's the least of their worries right now. You know, and I, and I'm, pro- I'm sure he's pressing because he was raking. By the way, the previous 27 games, 20, 27 games, because he had that little right when he got started, throw those out. The first, the 27 games, though, before this slump, he had 340, 14 extra base hits, including yeah. six homers, nine steals, 15 RBIs in 27 games, had a 434 OBP, 1,034 OPS in that span. Yeah. And we talked about it before the show, but I think one of the best things that can happen for Acuna is Harris doing what he's doing because that's going to drive him. You know, another young guy, fast, cannon of an arm. Athletic, yeah. A lot like him, you know, to – Opposite field power, (laughs) everything. You know, I mean, there's just certain guys that they don't want their thunder stolen. So the more that that Harris does, the more it's going to drive Acuna to do something too. Harris doing plenty, as we said. Three homers – among his nine hits on this six-game trip that ended Sunday. Youngest player in baseball, younger than Wander Franco by a week. Three homers and nine hits, all of them opposite field, yeah. including one at Wrigley Field, where the only two homers were hit in the first uh, two games there with Wendy. Seven RBIs on that trip. He's hit ninth in the order. Didn't yeah. strike out more than once in any game. In fact, he's only struck out twice in two of his 22 major league games so far. Yeah, I mean, well, one of them was his first game, wasn't it? Uh, not. I don't think it was first game, but it was one of the, like one of the first three or four. Yeah, he came up a little antsy. He and struck out another... first at bat. I remember that. When yeah, three. Yeah, <laughs> he had that. But that was against sure. Alcantara. Yes, yes, That's... all those change ups. Yeah, he's yeah. chasing. Um, so, uh, yeah, Ian Anderson was talking about it. Interesting. Yeah, three backside home runs. That's what they call the opposite field. He said three backside home runs. He goes, it's fun to have him out there. He plays hard. We all love him. Yeah. Uh, and one of, of them was a no doubter. That one in what the second one he hit in Washington was. Yes. He I mean, he got to take time on that. Yeah. Yeah. All of his home runs, none of them have been fence scrapers. They've been line drives or deep. Um, yeah. I mean, he when he pulls a ball, I think it's going to go like four fifty. Yeah. Yeah. And he put, he almost had his first pulled home run last night. Triple that one foot, you know, that wall, the Rick wall is about, I, I, I should know this, but I think it's about 15 feet, at least 12, 15 feet. And he hit it yeah. off the top of that wall, like a less than a foot below the top of that, or he'd had his first pulled home run last night. And he missed said, that ball. Yeah. Said he had another triple. Yeah. Um, Speaking of rookie phenoms, Spencer Strider starts for the Braves tonight and he is becoming must see TV, man. That yeah. big arm, 99, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, the little spin after he throws big pitches and strikes a guy out, the mustache. you got fans in the crowd now who are wearing fake mustaches, kind of like the Pearls <laughs> last year. So it's uh, it, this is going to be fun watching him again tonight in a big series, playoff atmosphere again. I'm going to be interested to see how he responds. Yeah, it's going to be hard to – I think we talked about it a few weeks back, but it's going to be hard when, you know, Soroka comes back. He comes back healthy, and he's throwing the ball well. The way Strider's throwing, yeah, yeah, good problem to have. Yeah, good problem to have. You know, I mean, I know Soroka. It's uh, 
it's just so there's they still there's still it's not going to happen right away. Soroka hasn't even started throwing a rehab assignment yet. When he does that, it's going to be thirty days. Yeah. So, um, but uh, you know, one of those guys is going to have to pitch in long relief. We know Strider can do it and be incredibly effective in it. But if he's doing what he's doing now, starting maybe with Soroka coming back, if they want to be able to control his innings, although. You know, you kind of handcuff yourself with a guy in a in a bullpen that you that you want following a strict kind of regimen when he's coming yeah, back from an injury. I wouldn't like that, right? So who knows? They got to do something. But you know what we said, and usually is plot. These usually these situations take care of themselves. Usually yeah. somebody unfortunately gets nicked up, has to go on the IL, whatever. Usually these things take care of themselves. If they don't, it's an even better problem to have. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you'd prefer it didn't, and you had to make a tough decision. Right. You know, I guess you could, you could do like a piggyback thing, um, right? Because I don't know what what kind of innings you're going to be expecting out of Soroka, but I wouldn't expect a ton. Uh, you know, no, not, not more than four or five this season. I wouldn't think, but but Strider's built up to five innings, and Soroka gets you through four, and you're up by three. You know, you can Strider's Strider. at 100 pitches now. You know, yeah. if he's efficient, that guy he could go seven. You could wrap up the game, but Strider, uh, I mean. If you need to control Strider's innings by that point, you know, because if you get if you look at what his career highs under 100, if you need to control his innings, you could certainly have him pitch in relief again and have it be a devastating multi inning guy like Hader used to be before yeah. Hader went to single inning closer. Yeah, and sometimes that that role is even more valuable than a starter. You know, absolutely. I mean, just being able to pick and choose a guy that has that kind of stuff when you bring him in. Those high just, leverage innings. I would hate to see. Yeah, I don't know his personality at all, and I bet he'd handle it fine. He seems like he's handled everything so Strider, well. But people handle it great, whatever it is. It, it would be tough to to lose your role throwing the way he's throwing right now. But and they would it would be with his full understanding of why it's happening that it's only for this year, and yeah. that yeah, you're showing enough now that we know you can be a big yeah. part of the rotation going forward with that yeah. changeup his third pitch now. So yeah, I don't think he'd have a problem with it, especially if they pointed out the innings thing and how they can manage it. So. But yeah, this guy, the Eagles not going to get in the way with this guy, man. No way. That's I mean, awesome. like, look at last year. At the end of the year, they moved him to the bullpen in Gwinnett so they could get him to the majors. Never, he'd been a starter all his career at Clemson in the minor leagues. So, yeah. Um, speaking of, before we get out of here, another must see uh, rookie. This kid for the Pirates, dude. <laughs> I almost hate calling him a kid because he's such a big dude. <laughs> 23 years old, six foot seven shortstop, O'Neill Cruz. Holy shit, the highlights for him last year in his first game of the year, his third game of his career. He came up for two games last year, and I have no idea why he wasn't earlier in the year. It's got to be up for because yeah. of uh, for roster manipulation, all that. But because uh, this kid is phenomenal, I watched him play shortstop last night in the highlights, and I'm going, "Are you kidding?" It's almost like Sid Finch out there. This six foot seven, playing shortstop, tallest guy ever to play shortstop in the majors. And he doesn't even look out of place. He looks like an athletic Tatis with another three inches on him. Yeah. I saw 97, that throw. 97 I, across the diamond. I saw that throw. And you know, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to tell when you're just seeing a quick snippet, you know, like a little clip. I was like, damn, this dude's got a cannon. And then so I looked him up and I saw he was six seven. Yeah. Are you kidding me? I mean, I, you know, I, I I see an infielder that tall and 
you you assume they're going to be a good athlete, but most of the time, guys like that with that frame and as fast as he is, you're going to throw him in the outfield and let him run around. So that yeah. tells me that he's slick at shortstop. Like he can actually yeah. handle it and play it, and he's going to get a shot to do it. But the way he was moving on that throw, I mean, he took an extra step just to throw it that hard. Yeah. 97 across the diamond. Yeah. that was. Uh, they showed some highlights on MLB Network. Cliff Floyd grew up watching Sean Dunstan in Chicago. And they showed some Sean Dunstan throws where Sean Dunstan would collect himself because he knew how strong his arm was. And Angelton Simmons could do the same thing. Yep. Would actually take that extra half step to be in perfect position to throw because he knew how how hard he could throw it. And that kid reminded me of that last night, you know, almost winding up and going, oh, that's all right, I got it, boom, then it's there. And it's like, and the kid's got power, serious yep. juice. He's hitting not line drives up the middle to the gaps and can run like a deer. I mean, he's that going from third to home. I mean, he gets going in, in like that for a six-foot-seven guy. It's crazy. Yeah, so the Pirates have really got something there. I feel good for them. You you hope you see like to see good things happen for the Pirates. Uh, you know, we just had a team in here, Oakland, that you look at them and they're like, they don't even have any young players on that team. I know they got Langoliers coming up, probably got a couple more guys, but the Pirates have got some players on that team. We saw some while they were here. Um, so there's hope for the future. And, and, and with this kid, they've got their Acuna, it seems like. I mean, I don't want to say he's going to be Acuna, but this kid is special. Yeah, special. Well. This was what I saw on him. He had the hardest throw by an infielder in MLB this year, 96.7. <laughs> he had the hardest hit ball by a Pirate this year at 112.9. And the three fastest sprint speeds of the year by a Pirate at 31.5, Yeah, that's like. <laughs> that's higher than Acuna. Yeah. I mean, it's elite. I mean, but. He, yeah, and he's, 30 is he was elite. Only, he did this three innings into his debut. But get this, last year. He hit one 118. Man. He played two games last year and hit one 118 is what I heard. 118. That's almost. That's, that's like Giancarlo like, Stanton Paul. Right, right. That, that, From exactly. a shortstop. <laughs> so, with, yeah. With Acuna speed. So, gives you something to watch when you got to play the Pirates for three games, you know. It's good. I wish he would have <laughs> been here when they were here last week. I'd love to have seen him up close. Yeah. It's like when the Marlins play. I hate when Chisholm's not in the lineup because he's so fun to watch, man. Yeah, or uh, I, I always like when, when you know, it's bad news for the Braves when Alcantara's pitching, but I always like if the Marlins are on TV and, and he's pitching, I'm going to turn the game on for a minute. Yeah. Got to have guys like that. Well, the Giants are feeling like that with Max Free. They hate seeing him because he just dominates them, man. We, you know, it's a, it says how far Max Free's come that we haven't even mentioned him last night because seven innings for him with one run is a totally pedestrian outing. It's whatever. And that's how good he is. <laughs> this guy's legitimate ace, man. He's one yeah. of the best. He's one of the best five pitchers in the National League. With a pickoff move. With a with a best pickup move move in the majors. Yeah, he. That's when you. I think though, that's when you know you've completely established yourself. You know, I mean, yeah. if, if Strider did that yesterday, we're talking about it. Yeah. Max does it, and it's just like, yep, another good start from Max Fried. You know, that's well, that's when you know you're you're. <laughs> You're an ace. Got to get him signed long term. They have got to get him signed long term. First and foremost, you still got time to get Riley signed. I mean, he's got to, he's just, you know, into, into arbitration. You got to get Freed signed, man. Long term. I think you got to get Dansby signed too. But unless they got something in mind for a bridge to Grissom, you know, you, Grissom's not going to be for another year or two. And Dansby, 
you know you can win with Dansby, man. And he is slowly, I mean, he's putting up a huge year. Yeah. I went in there the other day and looked at it because he's just doing it by stacking up numbers across the board. But he's like up there in war now among position players, like top 10 in everything. Well, he's doing it as shortstop. You know, right. I mean, it's war. I think, you know, it's yeah. harder to put it's, that war up at first base or third yeah, base. Possible, but yeah. he's raking and playing great shortstop. I mean, that's that's every team's dream is to have yeah. a shortstop putting up those numbers and playing his defense. Yeah. You gotta get you gotta get those up the middle guys locked in. They've already got Ozzy locked in. They've obviously got <laughs> Their center fielder for a long time, and I think they should sign him as soon as possible to a ten-year deal. I'd start offering him those you know, thirty-five I'd, mil, I'd forty offer, mil. I'd offer William Harris a ten-year deal right now. What's it going to take to get you for ten years, yeah. man? Get him locked up. So you need to get your shortstop locked up and get your plan in place. So you're not, God, man, you could spend a lot of money chasing shortstops. Oh yeah, because the good ones on that market cost a lot. Watch what Trey Turner gets this offseason. And now you've and now you got your lock. You, I think you're going to have your catcher locked up long term because uh, Contreras is showing me he could be the long term guy there because yeah. Darno signed for another year. Perfect. Harris yep. is going to be ready to take over. I think in 2024, and, and next year split their duties evenly with uh, Darno. You know, as he's getting older, and DH DH is great for situations like this. Oh, it changed everything for Contreras. Yeah, because yeah, you can play him some there. You can Ozuna, who you got to pay this huge contract to. You can't really dump him yet. You can put him at you can put him at, at uh, DH, and yeah, really helps. But Contreras, yeah, it's giving him a chance to play four out of five games. You know. Yeah, he it's it's huge that they have that DH now because he can get. He never has to be in that spot like we were talking about with Camargo where you don't play for four right. or five days. You know, it's one – you get a pinch hit at bat, that's one thing. But to get your four at bats consistently yeah. is – I mean, that's that's huge, especially for a young guy trying to learn the league. All right. 755 is real. We will do this again. Uh, i got some big things coming up. Three games left with the Giants, and then the Dodgers come to town. And, and I think there's going to be a reunion people are anticipating. I saw somebody say they didn't think Freddie would get an ovation. Eh, that's fucking, that's <laughs> ridiculous. On, I told them, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Well, that's people that get too too caught up in Twitter because Twitter can be a really negative place. Yeah. And people think that there are other like-minded people when it's kind of an echo chamber there. But when you go to the ballpark, it's different. You know, there it's just a different vibe. And the people at the ballpark – are pro Braves and they want the team to win and they're not nitpicking, you know, and they're not worried about, you know, did Freddie really want to stay? They know Freddie wanted to stay, you know, his agent screwed it up. Yeah. Freddie should have told the agent, make sure you get the best deal from the, so Freddie has some responsibility too, but that doesn't change the fact he wanted to stay, you know, and whether it works out for him great, it'll work out for him great now because he's a great player and he's home in LA, but he wanted to stay. Yeah. And that doesn't change anything, what he did for this organization for over 11 years. No, and if you can he, let that they want take a World Series. From, yeah. I mean, it's going to be the ring. biggest ovation that we've ever seen at, uh, at uh, Truist Park, other than the Braves coming home after winning the World Series. I mean, and having that victory parade. Freddie's going to be the biggest ovation we've seen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And he deserves and it, it. And the only one that might rival it is when Soroka makes his return to Truist Park. That's going to be pretty big yeah so anyway all right 755 is real we'll talk to you guys again thanks everybody (laughs) 